Hallelujah. You may be seated. When I heard Prophet Chuck Pierce prophesy that in 2020 there would be a literal Passover, I heard Holy Spirit say, when, he, when I heard him say that, I heard Holy Spirit say right here, there will also be a literal Pentecost. There, has, there have been hundreds of Pentecosts between the first one in the Exodus and our times. They have been important times of celebrations, remembrance, and thanksgiving for what God for what God has done, but there are three literal Pentecosts that activate a massive change on the earth. There are three that are not just observation times or thanksgiving times. They are times that something was experienced and it changed something on the earth. Now we have had two of those and now today begins the third one. The first occurred in the Exodus, 50 days after the first Passover there. Moses took them to Mount Sinai. He goes up on the mountain, the people are camped around. And, and uh, while he was up on Mount Sinai, God gave him 10 commandments. And he began to download to him the Torah first five books of the Bible. They came down and they celebrated this with a feast, the Feast of First Fruits. The Greeks, of course, called it Pentecost. The second literal or special or specific uh, Pentecost, when something actually was experienced and, and happened to change things on the earth, occurred in Acts chapter 2, 50 days after the Passover when Jesus became our Passover lamb. On that day, Holy Spirit came. He filled the believers with power from on high. He filled them with authority or activated authority for them to rule and to reign with King Jesus. He also gave birth in Acts chapter 2 to what is called the Ecclesia or the New Testament church. He also gave birth to a brand new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That outpouring has continued for more than 2,000 years now. And its life, its power, and its precedence will not stop. And they are continuing even to this day. But now we have come to another fullness of times. And the promise of the Lord is another special literal Pentecost era is due. Not just an, observ uh, an observance of Pentecost like I've observed for over half a century. No, we have come to one that is going to be experienced and it too will change things on the earth. We have come to a appointed time of the Lord when Holy Spirit is going to pour out power from heaven in greater measure than has ever been seen before on this planet. Now, just as the precedents reveal in the first two previous special two Pentecosts, 
Now Holy Spirit is coming with the hosts of heaven again. He is coming now with angel armies at a different level to assist us in far greater measure. Remember, and I've taught this the last three weeks, but specifically last week. Hear it as we are setting up what this moment is about. Exodus 12, verse 40, King James. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelled in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. All the hosts of the Lord went out, all of them. Not just people, the hosts of the Lord. Hosts is Sevea, and it means a large mass or a large number of troops, like in an army. It refers to a division uh, of many in a, an army division. And of course, Sevea is the word in the Old Testament for angel armies. The hosts, the angels of the Lord, the angel armies were no longer needed in Egypt. They, they were assisting God's plan to break people free, to break the people of God free out of bondage and captivity. Their assignment was helping the people of God break through. So when God's people went out, they went out too to assist them, to protect them, to resource them. Exodus 12, verse 40, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years, New Living Translation says. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that the Lord's forces left Egypt. All of his forces left. Exodus 12, 40 message. At the end of 430 years to the very day, God's entire army left Egypt. This was not the army of the people of God. They were slaves. They didn't have an army, but God did. And that army had been busy breaking them through to a time of great deliverance to take them somewhere. That angel army had been breaking out against Egyptian bondage, against a nation that had enslaved the people of God. And now he is going to do it again. In Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost was fully come, Holy Spirit came to baptize God's people in power from on high. He also came at that Pentecost with angel armies. They appear as cloven tongues of fire hovering over the 120 that are gathered there. Often throughout the scripture, angels are, are seen as cloven tongues of fire. They came to assist the kingdom of heaven break out at Pentecost in Acts 2. They came to assist the apostles and the prophets in the first ecclesia to break open a move of God on the earth. The angels assisting in the Exodus did not die. The angels assisting in Acts chapter 2 did not die. And some of them are here today. 
Many of them are activating in this move of God. They're all over it. And the angels of God are being activated in this Pentecost in ways that we have never seen before. They came at Pentecost in Acts 2 to expand the kingdom. They came to expand Christ's newborn ecclesia. And now in this Pentecost, this new era Pentecost, Holy Spirit has prophesied time after time after time that he was bringing division after division after division of angel armies to the battle lines. Over a decade ago, when Holy Spirit began to talk to me about angel armies for the first time, one of the first things that he said to me was, I am now coming to lead another campaign on earth. And this time, I will be bringing far more of the angel armies to assist your breakthroughs. Now, this third literal Pentecost is a bit different than the other two special Pentecosts. They were more localized. The one in the Exodus targeted one nation, Israel. The outpouring in Acts came upon, Acts chapter 2, that outpouring came upon a local New Testament church in Jerusalem. A rather small one of 120 people, though their effect grew in a massive way and eventually turned the world upside down at their time. Also outpourings in other times down through history have been mostly localized. The, re the great revival in Wales primarily targeted Wales. It spilled over a little bit, but it was localized to Wales. We've had great outpourings of the Holy Spirit in, in Brownsville, uh, Florida, and also Toronto, Canada, and a few other places. But it was an outpouring upon those places or those regions. But this one is entirely different. There is not just 120 of God's people anymore in one church, in one city, Jerusalem. There is not just one apostolic hub to pour power from heaven on. There are not just 11 apostles. God's people are all over the world in nation after nation by the millions. There are apostolic hubs, prophetic hubs, New Testament churches everywhere, all around the world by the multiplied thousands. This outpouring, the one we come to, will not be localized to a particular nation or a church or a region. This will be the very first kingdom-wide outpouring. Never happened before. The outpouring in the book of Acts birthed the church in Christ's kingdom, but that kingdom was small and functioned, at least initially, uh, in, in its beginnings. It was small and functioned locally, but now that kingdom's global. Now, seated ecclesias 
declaring God's word in region after region after region, state after state, nation after nation has been seated. Now the heirs and the joint heirs with Christ understand their authority, at least the remnant does. And now we see a functioning ecclesia in a functioning kingdom, meaning the training time is over. It's time for deployment. It's time for the anointing to deploy. That brings us to now. Now Holy Spirit can pour out power from heaven on Christ's kingdom, Ecclesias. This outpouring can come all over the world. A literal Pentecost will now be seen kingdom-wide. Not just a local church, not just a local nation or a nation anywhere. A kingdom and its churches will now experience a mega Pentecost. By necessity, by, by the sheer volume of saints and churches, this outpouring has to be far greater than any ever seen, and it will be. So the plan of God this time is to soak a kingdom of ecclesias with power from on high. His plan is to assist them with millions of angels in division after division after division. His plan is to overwhelm the forces of hell with a worldwide outpouring. Hell has never experienced anything like it before. This will activate a worldwide move of God that hell can't stop. And everywhere hell attempts its strategies around this world now, everywhere it attempts its, its, its strategies, it will now face an ecclesia with its angel armies supervised by Holy Spirit and replenished by power that just keeps coming. You're in the season of replenishing power. Now, as I thought about this very special new era Pentecost, and it's not just a day. We're not celebrating a day today. We are beginning an era of outpourings. I thought about today, Pentecost Sunday 2020, and what the Lord has been saying. There are so many prophetic words that, that God has been giving pointing at this line of demarcation. And I know of no one more capable to declare those times to us and talk to us about it than my brother Dutch. He has prayed. He has fought for these times right here. I know he has. He has... He has been aggressive, and he has worked tirelessly. And I felt, when I was thinking about it, I felt we need to hear what he's hearing from the Holy Spirit concerning this moment. Would you welcome my brother Dutch as he comes to share with you today. Thank you. 
What a day. I would have flown halfway around the country just to hear that. I believe every word of it. Every word of it. Every word we sang, and every word he spoke, I believe every word of it. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been laboring for. This, and as he said, not this day, this, this era, this, this is a launch today. This is not a one-day celebration. Just as Passover is not a one-day celebration, we celebrate Passover every day. Christ is our Passover, who delivered us, covered us. Pentecost, we're going to celebrate it daily. Well, it's good to see faces. No problem with any of you with wearing your face coverings, but it's kind of nice to see faces for a change. I still don't see many in the airport and the airplanes, I'm, we're required to wear them. And uh, so you never really know who you're looking at. You don't know if they're mad or if they're smiling, but you just, you just smile back, but you know they can't tell if you're smiling back, you know? <laughs> So we just kind of nod and look away. I'm going to, as Tim said, talk to you about what I see happening, what, uh, what I am hearing. Some of it will just be obviously from, from my heart and what, what, I've, what I've been hearing personally. Some of it will be from some dreams that I'll weave into this message that have been sent to me. I've never been in a season of prophetic whirlwind like this. I just, <clears throat> I, I, I weekly receive two or three prophetic dreams about the nation that are very significant, not just encouraging, but filled with strategy. It's almost as though Holy Spirit is just saying, I'm, I'm not going to let you miss this. I'm going to speak to you in every possible way, even when you're asleep. And so the first one I'm going to mention was a dream that Chuck Pierce called me a few days ago and talked to me about a dream he had. He rarely has dreams about me. He, I don't know if Chuck is, has a lot of dreams. He's obviously a very significant seasoned mature prophet, but he called me and said, I need to share a dream with you that I had last night. And in the dream, he and I had um, felt led to go to Colorado for a meeting together. And as you know, we minister a good bit together. And we both um, lived in Colorado, Colorado Springs. And we were there when the prayer movement was, was birthed there. And so much of the prophetic movement and apostolic movement. So we, we arrived at the place of the gathering in the dream. We knew that uh, in this building, there was going to be an outpouring of Holy Spirit. 
It was almost as though we were, we were going into this building to experience what he's been talking about, that, this great revival that's coming. And as we got out of our vehicles, I looked at Chuck and I said, let's go down this path here. There was a path that led to the uh, building. And as we started to move toward that path, he stopped and he said, we can't go down that path. There are jackals down that path. And if we try to go that way, they will attack us. So we stopped and looked the other direction. There was a wheat field. And we decided, though there was no path, we had to make a path through the wheat field to get to the building. And that was the end of the dream. As we pondered this, we both knew clearly the Lord was saying, we are entering into a new era. And the fact that he sent us to Colorado in the dream was, was symbolic of the past, the most recent outpouring of Holy Spirit that we were a part of. The birthing of the prayer movement and the birthing of the apostolic uh, the restoration of that and prophetic in the earth. So much of it, the leadership flowed out of that place. And what he was saying to us was not that that was wrong or any part of it was wrong, but that we can't rest on that. We can't build by doing the same things. We've moved into a new era. And we're going to have to, we're going to have to walk in what that era was producing. We're going to have to use what God did on that path. But if we get stuck in that, religious demons will attack us. We'll get the way, the way that you, one way to lose or miss what God is about to do is to be so entrenched in what he did, the methods and the ways of yesterday that you can't find a new path. And so the Lord said to me, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to walk in not just the bridal anointing, not just the priestly anointing of intercession. You're gonna have to walk in what I birthed through that, the ecclesia mandate. <clears throat> you're gonna have to be the church. You're gonna have to be apostles and prophets you're going to have to tap into fully what I did and not just talk about it. You're going to have to do it. And if you don't, you'll get trapped in old wineskin mentality and religious spirits will overtake you. This new path is going to lead through the harvest, the wheat fields. This one's not about the parking lot. It's about the wheat fields. It's not about a path to the building. It's a path through the harvest. We're about, we're about to see everything we've been crying out for. We're about to see the billion souls we've been uh, prophesying about come into the kingdom. We're about to see entire nations transform. I agree fully with what Tim just said. The earth has never seen anything like what's, what's coming now. This is not just a new season, it's a new era. It will, be, it will be broader, it will be larger in scope, 
It will be worldwide. Nothing is going to stop this. And so we're going to have to go down a new path. And in many ways, we're going to have to make a new path. Because we've never been this way before. We're going to have to listen to what he says. Some of what this looks like. Another interesting dream sent to me just a few days ago. He said, I had a very intense dream. In this dream, it's centered around the large miracle room that they are seeking to complete at Glory of Zion in Texas. Chuck's headquarters, they have a meeting room that they use now for conferences and the congregational gatherings. It seats 1,500, I guess. But it's a big, uh, large, large building that they bought. And in the middle is a room that when completed will seat about 5,000. They've just been working on this over the last few years, paying as they go. They call it, and I don't really know why they chose this title, but they call it the miracle room. Maybe, maybe it's because of visions or dreams similar to what I'm going to read to you here. But this dream is about that miracle room. And in this dream, this person says, Chuck and Dutch were in the room, and many others were in the room dressed in scrubs. They were like scrub nurses. Chuck and Dutch were there with great expectancy. The inside of the room was a miraculous environment. And from this miracle womb, he calls it now in the dream, not a miracle room, but a miracle womb. A birthing is about to take place. That's what Pentecost was. It was the birth of the church. It was the birth of a movement that is still taking place. From this miracle womb, many birthings were taking place as the womb birthed forth the miracles. Those in scrubs began to deliver the miracles to angels. The angels would move at the speed of light to deliver them. The miracle womb was constantly birthing. And he said, in the dream, there were body parts being birthed, healings, miracles, releases of apostolic sending for people into their purpose and destiny. There are thousands upon thousands of people in the ecclesia right now that have been frustrated because they know they've not tapped in fully into who they are and what God has called them to do, but God has been preparing them in the hidden place and he's about to release them now into what he's been preparing them for. The miracles and the signs, wonders, miracles that we've been prophesying for a few years now that are coming, you're about to move into that. Some of you have never put your hand on a person and, and, and saw a literal miracle through your prayer with your very eyes. But I say to you, this is the season you're about to see that. You're about to, you're about to see that in ways that, that will astound you. You're about to see it at times when you didn't know it was going to happen. This is the hem of the garment season. 
This is when people will brush up against us and we're in the supermarket and we don't even know what's happening. And they'll get up off the floor and say, what did you just do to me? Uh, that tumor just fell off of me. Or I can hear now. Or my body is healed. What did you do to me? This is a season unlike any we've ever experienced before. This is when we manifest who he is in ways we've never been able to manifest before. This is when Jesus will be seen around the world through his body, the ecclesia, the church, like he's never been seen before. People are gonna know it's not about us. It's all about him. You're gonna shake hands when, with someone. Yeah, we're gonna shake hands again. You're gonna shake hands with somebody when you meet them. You're not even gonna be thinking about spiritual things, but the power of God's gonna hit them when you shake their hand. They're gonna be delivered just because you touch them. Signs, wonders, miracles. Extraordinary miracles. Translation. You watch and see if you don't hear reports. People are gonna get up in the morning and say, did I really go to that village and preach the gospel last night or was that a dream? I'm gonna say this to you again, the earth has never seen anything like what's coming. And it's not because of who we are. And it's not, it's not just because we've asked and we want it. It's because of who he is and what he wants. He is very intense and he is very determined to bring in this harvest. And if you think any stronghold, any demon, any dictator, any king, any government agency, or any group of people is gonna stop him, you are very, very wrong. He will not be stopped. There were also the birthing of finances, property, resources for ministries in order to reconstitute the nation. That's in the dream because the Greek word in the New Testament for restore is apokatastasis and it means to reconstitute. The constitution of something, the, the way it's made, the way it's supposed to be, the way it's supposed to function. This is the reconstituting, restoring things back to the way they're supposed to be. He's gonna restore people back to what they're supposed to be. He's gonna restore prodigals back to what they're supposed to be. He's gonna restore bodies to what they're supposed to be. He's gonna restore cities, inner cities, nations into what he determined they're supposed to be. The restorative, resurrecting, recreating power of most high God is about to be released on this planet like never before. Chuck would speak to the womb and decree what was to come forth through birthing. Dutch would speak words of spiritual understanding over each miracle birth. This was happening in such intensity that the scrub nurses would have to be changed out frequently in order to rest. 
Now, this, is, this is not about Dutch and Chuck. This is about who and what we represent or picture. This is about the body of Christ, the ecclesia. This is about the fivefold ministry. This is about the intercessors. This is about the apostles and prophets. This is about the, what God is birthing, has been birthing, and is going to be literally bringing forth through the prayers of the saints. And you better just, if you're an intercessor, you're coming into your finest hour because this is not going to just be priestly intercession. This is going to be apostolic intercession. This is going to be declaration and decree. You're going to decree something. You're not going to wait 10 years to see it happen. Man, I love that part of that song he wrote. He is who he says he is. And he's going to do what he said he would do. And the ecclesia that he, that he has now prepared will indeed be a glorious church. That the gates of hell cannot prevail against. I sat in a meeting recently and I suppose I got some looks. I'm supposed people, some people thought it was heretical. And I said, if Jesus had returned before this point in time, that, that passage would be a lie. It would be. It would be. We have not seen the glorious church yet that the gates of hell can't prevail against. The gates of hell have prevailed. We prevailed. They prevailed. It's been up and down, touch and go. But I tell you, we're moving into an era where you're going to see manifested a group of people around the world, the ecclesia he talked about, that the gates and the government of hell will not prevail against. Because of who he is. You need to get rid of any theology that allows Jesus to lose. You need to get rid of any theology that says we're just barely going to make it to the end. And then maybe he's going to come and rescue us. We are part of an ever increasing kingdom and a king that cannot be defeated. And he will do what he said he will do. You got some books on your bookcase at home you need to get rid of. So, yes, we're moving into a literal Pentecost season. Comparing the Lord as I prepared processed, prayed about this message. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? Just keep hearing the word announcement. This is a day, he said, this is an announcement. This is not a teaching, it's an announcement. He is announcing what he's doing, what he's about to do, where we're headed, where we're moving. I've been hearing the same thing. Many prophets have been hearing, been hearing the same thing Tim said. Just as we experienced a literal Passover, we had to not just celebrate historically the cross and farther back, the picture of that through Passover, but 
we're gonna, we're gonna literally need to come under the blood covering for protection from a plague. But just as, it, just as, as we experienced a literal Passover, the prophets, as he said, have been hearing, we're, we're going to experience a literal Pentecost. Passover is not complete without Pentecost. We're not saved just to get to heaven. We're saved to go to the next step and be endued with power from on high, baptized in fire, partnering with the king on the planet to turn the world upside down. That's who we are. Clay Nash sent me a dream just a few weeks ago. Many of you know my friend Clay. This came shortly after the Lord had sent us on an assignment to Valley Forge to pray. Valley Forge, of course, the headquarters of Washington and his army in the middle portion of the Revolutionary War. It was over a winter. Most of you know it was a brutal, brutal, brutal time. Poorly clothed, often no food. A miracle, just a plague they experienced. 2,000 died. They, a miracle they survived. But I'm sure that in the providence and the sovereignty of God, he planted them at this place named after a forge. Because the prophetic picture behind the scenes is that God was, he was not just preserving them during this time, he was doing something with them. He was forging something. It was there that a new level of discipline, perseverance, the ability to work together. The army be, really became an army at Valley Forge. It was really the devastating winter of Valley Forge that God used to turn them into the army that was able to birth liberty and freedom. So when he sent us back there, he sent us there through a dream, go to Valley Forge and pray. We couldn't go as a group as we had intended originally because of the lockdown, shutdown, but a couple of us went and others joined across the nation by phone. Since that day, God keeps talking to me about forges. I've had no less than seven dreams sent to me over the past few weeks about furnaces, forges, and blacksmiths. He's going the extra mile to assure me that in this fiery affliction, in this difficult time, that even though the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, there is a purpose that God has that he, to override all of this. He is not behind this virus. God is not in heaven throwing uh, viruses to the earth to kill old people in nursing homes. But just as with Joseph, he said, you had this purpose, but God has a higher purpose. He's going to use what you're doing to bring me through this as pure gold. He's going to do what he wants to do in spite of what you're doing. 
And so during this time, and he just keeps going out of his way to say to me, don't be afraid. I am doing things through this time. This is not going to hurt what I'm doing in the earth. I'm going to use it to, to further what I'm doing. Just stay in your quiet place with me. And I know many have suffered and I'm not downplaying the suffering and the financial loss and, and, and lives that have been lost, not in the least, but I am saying to you through all of the destruction and all of the darkness, God is doing something. And before he's finished, you're going to see that he took something very evil and he brought good out of it. And so this dream says, I dreamed last night that you summoned a team. This is shortly after, again, shortly after I was at Valley Forge. I dreamed last night you summoned a team of people to meet you at Model, Tennessee, at the town, Model, Tennessee. Well, there is no longer a Model, Tennessee. When he sent me the dream, I said, Clay, you know where this place is? He said, oh, I've never heard of it. It's just, it was in my dream. So I had to Google found out what it was. It's in Google, it has to be true. <laughs> in the mid 1800s, there was a model, Tennessee. And there, there was a great, a, a, a furnace, very significant, large furnace called the Great Western Iron Furnace. He says, in the dream, when we arrived, you were at an old but huge iron furnace. He didn't even know in the dream the name of it, the Great Western Iron Furnace. I, I learned that by studying it online. But he said, in the dream, you were at a big iron furnace. It was fired up, and the iron was heated to a melting point. You instructed us <clears throat> to help you in forming and engraving metal plates. We were shaping them and we were engraving them. The plates were poured in the dream and while still very hot, we began to engrave them. The engraving said, and I quote, Despite the present hardships, the United States is the birthplace of the Ecclesia Army being forged for the new era. What's today's date? May 31. The next sentence says by June 2020, in the dream. I'm quoting now. By June 2020, this dream occurred in mid-April. By June 2020, the Ecclesia Army will emerge with a rejuvenated spirit and a confidence to function as a well-trained fighting force. You may not want to hear that again, but I'm going to read it again. 
despite the present hardship. Don't you love God, what God says? Despite what the enemy's trying to do. Listen to me. That's what he's saying. Despite the present hardships, the United States is the birthplace of the Ecclesia army being forged for the new era. By June 2020, the Ecclesia army will emerge with a rejuvenated spirit and a confidence to function as a well-trained fighting force. And I say to you, that's what is emerging now, today, in June, and the rest of this era. And Satan's not going to be dealing with a group of people he's dealt with in the past. And if you don't think demons are nervous right now, you need to understand why there's so much warfare in this nation. You need to understand why there is so much hatred against the president. It's not because of who he is. It's because of what he represents. It's because of the stand he's made for life and for Israel and the church and life, pro-life. It's a spiritual war. And the enemy knows what God's been up to. And I'm sure he doesn't like the fact that God has had a bride and that we've learned how to worship at higher levels and relate to him and, and be a body. And I'm sure he doesn't like that. But I'll tell you this much, as much as he doesn't, doesn't care for that, his, that, that distaste and dislike he has for that is nothing compared to what he's feeling right now when he thinks about the fact that God may now have a true legislative army of people on the planet that understand the authority he has given to them and who he's made them to be. And I will tell you, he is terrified and mad as hell. I just did that for all the religious spirits watching me. Let me just read one more. I'm come back to that dream in a minute, but let me let me read it portion of another dream that refers to Pentecost in a hidden way. Sent to me from Gina. Gina Golston. I dreamed I was traveling with my family and we stopped to get gas. It was very dark. Raining. There was gloominess over all the people. Sounds like today. Walking through the airport on airplanes, it's like traveling with a bunch of zombies. The nation, the entire nation is in shock. Spirit of fear has taken over the world. On my way in to pay for the gas, I saw an advertisement for a book that was being sold inside. 
I'm going to mention all the facets of the book because I don't have time to develop this. But the title of the book was Hope. And the subtitle was I'm Lighting Up the Darkness. Jesus, I immediately knew I wanted to purchase the book, thinking everyone needs to read that. I reached into my pocket in the dream, she says, and found the $50 bill rolled up in an old receipt. When I went inside, I found and purchased a copy of the book and paid for my fuel with the money, then returned to my family. I'm just thinking about this dream, I said, Lord, what is this all about? And I just read, I read through quickly. The, I found the $50 bill wrapped in an old receipt. I'm thinking, you know, I, what, what, do you, what, do you, what is this all about? And I'm not thinking much about the $50 bill until the Holy Spirit said, you do know that when I give someone a prophetic dream, every detail is significant. And my eyes just went to the $50 bill and the old receipt. That paid for hope, light overcoming darkness, and fuel for the journey. And Holy Spirit reminded me that 50 is the number of Jubilee. Two things, two th significant things in Scripture. Jubilee. When all the slaves went free, and all the land was returned to its original owner, and every debt was forgiven every 50 years. Jesus fulfilled that. He was our jubilee. He is our jubilee. It's okay to celebrate jubilee years every 50 years and symbolically make a bigger deal of it, but every year is a jubilee year now because Christ is our jubilee and he paid the price so we could go free and he set us all free from our captivity and he forgave all the dead and he's returning everything to its rightful owner. Jubilee is the cross. Jubilee is Passover. And when he paid the price on the cross and became our Passover lamb and gave us Jubilee, he made an announcement. He said, it is finished. And Holy Spirit reminded me the Greek word there is the, the, the word in Greek is not three words, it's one word. It's the word tetelestai. It doesn't mean death. And, and the scriptures do not say that Jesus just barely whispered out the words. You've seen the movies and it is finished and then dies. And that's not what happened at all. It was not a death. When he said that, it was an announcement. And the Bible says that he cried with a loud voice. To Tetelestai could have been speaking the Hebrew word, Asa, very similar. The word Asa, he's actually, is a direct quote from Psalm 22, 31. Asa is the word in Hebrew for creation. To finish or accomplish a task and creation when he said, he may have actually used the Hebrew word. He may have said, I saw 
I have finished what I've been sent to do. Come forth, new creation. But I happen to believe he probably, well, let's just say maybe, used the Greek word as John recorded to tell us that. This was the word stamped on the invoices in the marketplace of that day. For the phrase paid in full. The receipt. What you need is already paid for. Reach in and get the old receipt. And grab the 50, grab Passover, grab Jubilee. Everything you need for hope and for light to overcome darkness is wrapped up in that old receipt. And it's also the number for Pentecost. Let that sink in, okay? Paid in full. I paid for your Jubilee and I paid for your Pentecost. And everything you need, all the fuel for your future, you find there. hurry. We may not get out of here by noon. But I was told, take as long as you need. <clears throat> After she went to the car, then she said, I've got to go do something. She walked through another doorway in the dream. After she bought the book of hope, light overcoming darkness and paid for the fuel with the cross at Pentecost. She went through a doorway and entered what appeared to be a carpenter's shop. Inside there was a woodworking bench and lots of tools appropriate for the woodworking trade. Along the back of the shop was a solid rock wall. It was built out from a cliff or a mountain back wall was a solid rock wall and the other walls built around it. You really don't have to be all that prophetic to know who the carpenter is and the solid rock. This is Jesus' workshop. In the dream, he's doing something. Mr. Jubilee is doing something. Preparing something. Situated in front of the wall, back wall, with its tip going through the rock, was a very large bellows. So the bellows were in the carpenter's shop, but they went through the wall, blowing into the other side. 
Dutchy was operating the bellows. I was in the dream. It's not about me. It's about the ecclesia. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. The wind. It's an amazing dream about Jesus and Holy Spirit working together. It was so large, these bellows, that I had to jump up and grab the handle and pull it down and then back and forth like that, like so. All my strength to do it. Continued to do it through the rest of the dream, never stopped. The bellows was being used to pump wind, to stoke a fire. That might be Pentecost. It might be a picture of Jesus, the carpenter, sending the promise. I'm sending you your helper, he said. We're going to get this done. Pump wind to stoke a fire located inside a cave that's on the other side of the wall being used as a forge. The rock wall that made up the backside of the woodworker shop where Dutch and the Bells were located was actually a part of the cave. I knew that inside the cave, on the other side of the rock wall were many blacksmiths who were forging various weapons and instruments. He's been busy making what you need now. He's been preparing in you weapons, instruments. He's been shaping gifts in you. Holy Spirit has been very busy. And when it just looked like we have not been accomplishing all that much, it's because he's been doing more in the church than through the church for the last few years. But he's been preparing a group of people to launch them out of the out of the furnace, out of the fire, out of the blacksmith shop, into the earth from the car. The carpenter's about to release an army. We're going to have every gift we need. Every tool. Though I wasn't inside the cave, I could hear hammers pounding. Pounding the metal on the anvils. And I could hear the sound of the wind coming from the bellows. I knew it was very busy and sparks were flying as they worked quickly to forge the tools and the weapons. The forging of these items felt urgent and time sensitive. And I knew that as they finished them, they were carrying them out of the cave to be used immediately. Fast forward, not gonna get to everything, that's not unusual. I could read you 25 dreams this morning about what God's about to do. 
one of the things he's been doing in these dream, with these dreams is he keeps sending me dreams that have to do with past revivals. Yeah. He's not saying to me through this that this will look like that or that we are to model something after this. What these dreams have been saying is that he's about to take all the past revivals and the things that he accomplished through those revivals and all of the gifts and all that he poured out and he's about to bring all of them together into one great outpouring of his spirit. So back to model Tennessee where he said by June 2020, this will happen. The next part of the dream says, each of these plates with that message embossed on them. We were instructed to transport the plates while still hot to the Red River Meeting House in Kentucky, where they would be submerged in the water there to cool before they were distributed to the nation. The Red River Meeting House was in many ways the birthplace of the Second Great Awakening. It birthed the Cane Ridge Revival. These revivals were so powerful, by the time it got to Cane Ridge, tens of thousands of people made pilgrimages from around the entire region to Cane Ridge. We're talking, we're talking early to mid-1800s now. We're not talking today. The news spread by word of mouth, not by media. They had to walk, ride horseback, travel in covered wagons. They came by themselves, but they brought entire families until the hills of Cane Ridge had thousands and thousands and thousands of people camping. They would have 10, 15, 20 preaching, preachers preaching at once because they didn't have a PA system. So they just have to preach as far as their voice would, would go. And then another one would be over here doing the same thing. Somebody would be up in a tree standing, preaching. Somebody would be on a wagon. Somebody would be sitting on the back of a horse, anywhere they could get a little height. And they'd be preaching. And people, they said, were scattered all over the hills of Cane Ridge. You could see bodies everywhere. Shaking under the power of God. Speaking in tongues. It birthed the second great awakening, which saved our nation. The glory of God was so strong, people would say, later in life, bury me at Cane Ridge where I touched the glory. Cemetery sprang up around the church, not by design, just by people coming, bringing Grandpa to Cane Ridge to bury him. So many people wanted to be buried there that they ran out of spaces. And then so they started saying, well, then bury me on top of grandpa. And when they finally had to rearrange things and move bodies a few years ago because of erosion, et cetera, they found some graves with four and five bodies stacked on top of each other because people were saying, you must bury me at Cane Ridge where I was touched by the glory where I found Pentecost. And in this dream, he says, these plates, take them to Red River 
the birth of, of this revival. And saturate them. Soak them in the water of awakening before you release them to the nation. Because what he's about to do is not just deliver a message. This message is going to have something associated with it that's more than words. It's power. It's the glory of God. It's the fire of God. It's Jubilee. It's Pentecost. Take them to Red River and soak them. That dream set to be about Azusa Street, Red River Meeting House, Wales, Cane Ridge. Someone sent to me recently about Cane Ridge. A dream about me and a man named Ray Hughes. Some of you know who Ray is. He's from the hills of Kentucky. He's a product. He's, he's, a, he's a son of those revivals. He studies them. He loves the Red River Meeting House. He loves Wales, Cane Ridge. He's a wonderful redneck. Admittedly. <laughs> this dream says, Dutch, I dreamed last night. This occurred on May the 7th. I dreamed last night that you took a team to Cane Ridge. To decree into the land there in order to bring forth the power of Pentecost that was once released there. Go and decree there that a release of the same power of Pentecost that was released there is now being released again into the land. Are you listening to me? <laughs> we arrived in several vans Ray Hughes was there preaching and he called you up to preach. This was not planned. When we arrived, there was a significant handful of people there. The original meeting house, a log church is still there at Cane Ridge. So we went to that. You can go visit it. You should go sometime before you die. Significant handful of people there. You and Ray began to tag preach. He'd preach some, I'd preach some. Got a son of that state, and my calling is to the entire nation. And a synergy began to flow, regional and national. Ray has a national ministry now as well, and international, but in the dream, I believe he represents that land there and what God did. We began to tag preach and the preaching went through the night. No seeker, 45 minute service. I just had to get that in. <clears throat> when the sun came up the next morning, there were people surrounding the ridge as far as the eye could see. The power of the Spirit would fall. People were slain and began to speak in tongues, just like happened 
years ago. You and Ray kept at it for three days and nights. Then Ray and you started a fire tunnel. You know what a fire tunnel is? You get different people, 10 or so people on each side. People walk through it and everybody lays hands on them. Fits a good one. By the time you get to the end, you're sloppy with oil and staggering, falling all over the place. I tell people with fire tunnels, don't try to catch them and be good, nice about just dragging them out of the way. The, the messier it gets, the better. You to clean the carpet when it's finished. There's oil everywhere. You can't just do a little dab. You have to, you have to saturate them or it doesn't work. <laughs> we kept at it for three days of nice. Started the fire tunnel to release what had been stirred up in them. The fire tunnel took 24 hours to complete and finished at midnight. You two rested around a fire and when the sun came up, there were thousands more new people there. A man came to you both, told you he's buying each of you a new motor home to rest in because you couldn't leave yet. The dream recycled over and over. He kept seeing it all night until I saw in the last version, he says, an issue of USA Today. I don't think about the paper, think about the prophetic. The USA Today. That's why God chose that paper to do this. I saw a USA Today, which said, after 44 days and nights of preaching at Cane Ridge, Kentucky, America burns with revival and the pockets of a fiery awakening burning across the nation are spreading, bringing public life to a pause. Think maybe there's another pause coming. Take 10 minutes. I love this stuff. I love these dreams. This was sent to me in April. I dreamed last night. It's Clay Nash again. I dreamed last night you sounded a clarion call for the ecclesia together at the city gates. It's all about government. Ecclesia, the government of God, the legislative arm of God, his kingdom government on the earth. Ecclesia, gathering at the gates, gates in scripture in ancient days were symbolic of government. That's where the ecclesia would meet because the gates symbolized authority. That's where it was determined what could come in, what could go out. Clarion call for the ecclesia to gather at the city gates. In the meeting were hundreds of seasoned fathers and mothers of the faith. Jim Hodges, our spiritual dad. Tim and I walked with Jim for almost 40 years, 35 plus. 
since we were kids. Some of you didn't even get that. You must be hungry. <clears throat> On the platform were other leaders, men and women that carried true authority and that had brought forth significant influence. This is a very generational dream. You begin to speak on the original intent of our nation. America was created by God. Yes, I said it. Amen. Created by God to be the strongest, greatest voice of the gospel the earth would ever have. could take the time and, and show you prophecies and statements of founding fathers about that. I'm not going to take the time to do it, but it's true. You began to speak on the original intent of our nation. You spoke from history, past moves of God, and current trends. You stated that during this pause, God was recalibrating our hearts to him. You stated that once the recalibrating was completed, a reset would take place. You admonished those gathered there, there must be a fresh baptism of consecration, that it was time for the fathers of the ecclesia to release the spirit of adoption on sons and daughters. And that we were to baptize them and wash them with the water of the word as they were baptized. Jim Hodges then addressed us and instructed that this obedience would release a fresh inheritance to those that have been held for such a time as this. And this, as an example and a picture, he did that with me. He baptized me as a son and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Now read another part of this in just a second. <clears throat> but when God, <clears throat> when this, excuse me, when this dream was sent to me and I saw the phrase, the spirit of adoption and the fathers decreeing this over the sons and daughters, I knew immediately what God was referring to because the spirit of adoption in the New Testament is not what we think of as adoption in our day. It doesn't mean that, that, a, that a child that's not a part of a family is adopted into a family. It's not what it means. The word was used to describe a child, because there are different words for children in the New Testament. There's babies, napiosas, pideons, toddlers, technons, teenagers, huiasas, sons, paters, mothers, fathers. It's when a child already in the family that has been trained by the father and other leaders is now ready to take on the family business. Move into the full authority of the family. The family finances, the family business. And as a part of a huiothesia, huios, son, thesia, placing, placing into sonship, they, they did a ceremony 
in which the father would call people from the city together because he was about to make a public announcement so everyone would know this person now has the authority to represent our family fully. And so he would baptize this son. It's not a gender thing. It's an authority thing. It's like bride is not a gender thing. If I can be the bride ladies, you can be a son. Bride's an intimacy thing with Jesus. Sonship is an authority thing. It's not a gender thing. <clears throat> but he would, he, would, he would baptize this person publicly. And then he would state, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this is what happened at Christ's baptism. The father spoke from heaven and he was making a statement. This is why Jesus did not begin his ministry until this happened because he waited for the father to say, you are now released to your assignment. You're not just my child. Now you're a son unto us. A child is born, but unto us a son is given and the government will be in his shoulders. The government is on the shoulders of the son, not the child. And so when the Lord speaks to us about the spirit of adoption in scripture, he's saying we were predestined to be into the adoption as sons and daughters. In other words, God chose you for a purpose and his plan is to mature you from a baby to a fully matured son and daughter, at which point in time, you are now able to be a functioning member of the ecclesia, taking the authority that he has given to you and fully representing him on planet earth. In, Hebrew, in, in Romans 8, it says the earth is groaning and travailing for the manifestation of the sons of God. He's took, he, he talks back and forth in that chapter about children and sons. He said, all the children are heirs, but not all of them are led by the Spirit. The, the, the sons, the huiasas are led by the Spirit. And he says there, the earth is groaning and travailing, not for the father's kids, not for the napiases, pideons, technos. The earth is not groaning and travailing for God's children to show up. The earth is groaning and travailing, waiting for mature sons and daughters of the king to show up because they've been given authority now to fully represent him with complete authority, speak in his name and do whatever he wants done on planet earth. And when you get to that level of authority, you do more. You do more than just receive. You do more than enjoy the benefits of being in the family. You're now a representative of him. And, we, and when, you get, when you walk fully in this, this is when we get to the point where we can heal the earth. The earth is groaning and travailing. Nations, poverty-ridden nations, plagues, deserts, starving people, trafficked people, hungry babies. They're waiting for the ecclesia to come into their region with so much authority that they begin to shift and transform entire nations. That's where we're going. You just finished reading this and I'm, I'm moving on. Rachel, why don't you come up if you want to bring your team. Tim, grab some folks and come up here. We're going to pray.
We're going to pray. Jim Hodges in the dream began to speak and he said, disobedience, if you begin to decree and release your sons and daughters into this. You do know God's been preparing 40s, 30s, 20s, some teenagers out there. The greatest world-changing generation planet Earth has ever seen is waiting now to come forth. He addressed us and instructed that disobedience would release a fresh inheritance to those that have been held for such a time as this. He then baptized me as an example, made that decree, instructed the assembly to go and do likewise. This is time, mothers and fathers, to shift your focus to the next generation. And Jim began to shout, Pharaoh, let my people go. Religious system. Let them go. Bondages, iniquities, slavery. Let them go. And the whole assembly began to chant, Pharaoh, let them go. Communism, let them go. Humanism, let them go. False gods of religion and idolatry, let them go. He then spoke that God would reconstitute our nation as we followed the cloud by day and the fire by night. Then I saw a Time magazine. This time it was Time. Don't think Newsweek, Time. Think Time. It's Time. A Time magazine cover that said millions baptized into their inheritances. The spirit of adoption is upon America. Lord, we know we are moving into this next installment of Pentecost. We found the receipt the $50 bill. We understand Jubilee. We understand Passover. We understand Pentecost. We believe in you. You're awesome and amazing. You're unstoppable. You're creator God. You're the eternal one. You created time. You, who declare the end from the beginning. You who lead angel armies. The beloved of the Father. The King, the conquering King. The Holy One. We believe in you. You are the fuel for the future.
You're the carpenter. Holy Spirit, you are not confused. You are not intimidated. You are not alarmed. And you're not trying to figure out what to do next. You are in complete confidence and control and you know exactly what you want to do now and how to do it. We just decree now, we announce that the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia of heaven on earth is now prepared to move forward into a new era. And that fire, an unending wind, the bellows of heaven are about to blow and stoke the flames. And as you release the gifts and anointing and tools and weapons you've been building, we are ready to be sent into the earth and the scrub nurses are ready. And the birthing room is ready. And it is worldwide. Worldwide. Ecclesia, bride, army, government, all over the earth. Come baptize us now, fresh and anew. Immerse us in Holy Spirit. We decree not only the reconstituting of America, but the reconstituting of the earth. Your kingdom invading nations, opening eyes, dethroning strongholds, principalities, powers, awakening hearts. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. The Ecclesia rises in agreement with Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of angel armies, the commander of heaven's hosts, the commander of the Ecclesia, the hosts of the Lord's people. And we invite your plan to this planet. We ask you, Lord, that you will pour out your spirit. Ah. We ask God that you will pour out an anointing to prevail upon the ecclesia to rise in boldness that will startle this world. We ask God in all 50 states, throughout Canada, throughout the entire world, throughout the apostolic hubs, the apostolic and prophetic networks, Lord, would you come now and activate a kingdom outpouring and outpouring, Lord, upon those that would not back down. They've stood for your cause. And now we say, Lord, in Jesus' name, pour out your spirit upon this world. Pour it out on your kingdom. Pour it out on your churches, Lord. Pour it out on hundreds of thousands around this world right now. Pour it out on pastors, Lord that have plowed those fields and made those stands. We declare, Lord, a welcomeness to Holy Spirit 
to the United States of America. We welcome you. We welcome you to this world again. Come with fire. Come with wind. From the four corners of the world, we say the bones will now live. The wind of God, the breath of God be breathed upon them. And let the exceeding great army rise. In Jesus' name, we decree, Lord, today, from this moment on, we step across a line of demarcation, and we will not go back. We cross that line and we move into an era of new Pentecost, of outpouring, after outpouring, after outpouring, replenishing fire, replenishing anointing, replenishing anointing. Jesus' name, may the fire of God come upon pastors around this world. May your fire fall on evangelists around this world. May your fire fall on your teachers, Lord. May your fire fall on the prophets. Light their lips with coals of fire. May the apostles be lit with the fire of fresh vision. We declare, Lord, we step across that line today. And we will not go back. I was in North Carolina back in 2002, and I heard Bobby Connor prophesy about this move that we're talking about right now. And he made a statement, and, and every now and then somebody will make a statement that will carry with you the rest of your life. And he said, only this time, unlike everything else that we've experienced and seen and the models we have seen, People will not be drawn to a place. They will be drawn to a person in this revival. And so, Father, we declare during this time, when the enemy would try to cover this earth with darkness, that you let your people shine You have declared us to be the light of the world, but let us shine in a way that illuminates the face of Christ on the earth. Pour out your spirit to empower us to shine the light on the cross that makes everything new. In Jesus' name, Lord, I declare that there be no fatigue in the intercessors, that we no longer get all of our identity in the asking, but now it's time that we get our identity in the receiving. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's just begin to pray in the spirit. Aliyada brida bit of a dishti, yet a bit of a kiss to get a growth is a better bit of batasta. And the under brida of a sicker to gandhi under bodoste and a batada de provozo bogonde. Economosoto la ramasi is an amide or a brava secanya namasiki de brida of a sicker to get of a city and above a city and a basitola and a massive sinta eat above a sonda is an amanansta. Father, we stand here today in a synergized place to see the axe put to the root of things that have held us back in Jesus' name. That things that are severed today will never rise again in Jesus' name.
we declare that centuries-old assignments fall in Jesus' name. We say that things that have operated through generations fall apart and disintegrate in Jesus' name. We declare a release from state to state to state. And in its place, we declare the synchronizing of sweeping change in the name of Jesus. Changes be. Changes be. Changes be in Jesus' name. Father, we declare for the synchronizing of the generations through the ecclesia. We declare for the alignment of the generations in male and female, from race to race, and from generation to generation, to run, to run, to run, and bring change in the mighty name of Jesus. We say, so be it. So be it. As I was driving up through Cincinnati, this Tennessee, and driving through Cincinnati yesterday, suddenly, uh, as my wife was reading about the experience of my son-in-law and our grandchildren, they were at the Space Center in Florida for the launch of the SpaceX rocket. All of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit say, the sound that that is a symbol of something he said that the sound that's being heard in the spirit today is the blast of the thrusters that are attached to the ecclesia that has launched it's no coincidence that it was supposed to take place last weekend but it was postponed until this weekend and he said son pray for the ecclesia to keep their eyes on the vapor trail because that's an indication of where she's going. She's going upward and she's going into a place of spaciousness, a place without borders, a place where limits are destroyed and restriction is driven back. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for anointing the eyes of your people, anointing the eyes of the ecclesia so that they can see clearly where they are and where they are going in the Holy Ghost. Father, thank you that you're branding, you're taking the forge from the, uh, the, from the fires uh, in the furnace and you're branding upon the consciousness of your people that it has been paid in full. Let them know like they've never known before that it has been paid in full. Hallelujah, Jesus. The reason why the launch took place this weekend instead of last week, there was a delay. Why was that delay? So that the highest authority in the natural world could come into agreement with our time. And the declaration was made last weekend by the President of the United States, who I think is the highest authority in the world. But he had to declare last weekend the church, the ecclesia is essential. It's essential. Let them go. 
Let them go. Let them go. And then we move into the launch. The launch. So we declare from this house and around this planet, launch, Ecclesia, launch. Launch into the new era. Launch into the new times. Launch, launch, launch into the nations. Launch into the world. Launch into government. Launch into media. Launch. Let the ecclesia launch. Launch. 